It's good to have you on a night in February. The snow cover has been nice. It's been unique. We haven't had this for a little while. I was out shoveling the other day. It was early in the morning, wasn't windy, dressed up really warm, and uh, it really felt good to shovel snow. And that was so pretty out, so quiet. So I hope you take advantage of the cold. Maybe you don't like, but uh, it's a good time of the season. This evening, we're going to talk a little bit about the book of Proverbs, and uh, I'm going to cover half the book this evening, and Kurt's going to cover the other half next week. But uh, we're going to do it quickly, and uh, again, it's in the, the idea of worship. God alone rules my world, so I will point to him in everything I do. They have said that the book of Proverbs, actually, if you want to know how to live life, read Proverbs. If you want to know how to pray, read Psalms. And there's a lot of truth to that, if any of you have spent time in either one of those books. But Proverbs is, is uh, we'll go through just a few principles that I'd like to go over that I think are really some of the major principles in the first 15 chapters. And, uh, but Proverbs as, as a whole, just briefly, Proverbs is from a Hebrew word meaning to be like, to represent, thus a riddle, a pithy saying. They exert a quiet and often unrecognized influence upon the standards of life. And in the hands of a skilled writers or speakers are an effective means of driving ideas home. And I, I would guess if I ask a number of you for Proverbs, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I think Proverbs that deal with hard work and other things really have directed our lives more than we understand. And so it's a very powerful book, very powerful reading. So what I'd like to do as, as we go through is um, I would just like to look at a few principles. And one is going to deal with the very word of God itself. Here's a statement out of Psalms, and then we'll get into Proverbs. It says about the word of God, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. More desired are they than gold. Have you ever asked yourself if you really value the word of God more than gold? The Word of God says that in a number of areas. Now, we're going to just look at Proverbs chapter 2, and I don't have all of the Proverbs listed, so if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to follow along in some of these. As you're turning there, just a few other statements about the Word of God. It says in Job 23, 12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I hope you think through statements like that. Or another one, instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Since I love your commands, they are more valuable than gold, even the purest of gold. You get the idea that the word of God should be valued. My question to all of us, if people watched how we lived, would they say that person really values the word of God. But there's some great instruction that is given here in Proverbs chapter 2. 
if you follow along as I read, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understand, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, now here's the key, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. First of all, as you think, do we really treasure the word of God? And I pray that that would be a true statement in how you live your life practically. Our personal devotions, that important. Pastor Pat always comes back to this because this is really the key, isn't it? We've got to be driven by the word of God. We've got to cherish it enough that we get into the word of God and learn. And I pray that's true. I pray that you have devotions each day getting into the word of God. I know we tried to instruct our kids in that as well, trying to help them have personal devotions. And one time when we were down in Ecuador, I was just trying to lay the groundwork for this, and I knew that video games had just, they'd come out for a while, but my kids were into it just like any other, and we wanted to limit that, so I, I just made the statement. I said, hey, if you'll spend a solid half an hour in the Word of God, I'll let you spend an hour in a video game. And then Chad came up to me and said, hey, Liz gets three hours on the computer. I said, what? Yeah, she did devotions for an hour and a half this morning. Now, that's not really what I was after. <laughs> but we do want people to cherish the word of God. I remember as I was growing up, right after I was saved, I could not believe how people taught the Word of God, and I could see the Word of God was so important. And so I already determined within a week of my salvation, I heard about Bible college, and I said, I'm going there. I have no idea what God has for my life. The only thing I want to do is I want to learn the Word of God more than anything and I was willing to sacrifice time, resources, just to learn the word of God. And uh, I pray that that would be the attitude of graduate school is the very same thing. I knew it would cost money. I knew it would cost time. But I wanted to know the word of God. And so I pray that God gives you a heart like that. So treasuring the word of God is one. But really Proverbs says just a little bit more. Notice what it says, precious metals, this isn't a proverb, but the principle is there. Precious metals like silver or gold do not lie on the surface of the ground. One must dig to extract, yet that hard work is rewarded by finding the prize. Sometimes I think we just read the word of God, but we never give the effort. We never dig in. And God does want us to dig in. We Go after it like silver or gold. Silver or gold is not on the surface. So, so what do you mean by digging in the word of God? 
Well, let me just share just one or several verses in how God led me to dig a little bit into the word. Here's a verse that talks about Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I thought, what a privilege. What a statement about a man. I thought, I want to study the communication about between God and Moses. And so this is what I determined to do. One of the greatest friends I had when I was a believer was the Strong's Concordance, which gives you lists every occurrence of a word in the Bible. And so I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to look up every time that God talks to Moses. That's what I'm going to look up. So I look up said, saith, says, all of those communication words. And it took a long time to look up all of those verses. I found out God talked to Moses a lot. Then I thought, you know, I I think I want to do it the reverse now. I think I want to turn around now and find all of the verses that talk about how Moses talked to God. So then I did the reverse, and I dug in, and I started every time that Moses talked to God, I looked up every verse from the Strong's Concordance. You know what I found? In that, and there were hundreds and hundreds of verses. This took a while, but I found out there were twice as many verses that talked about God speaking to Moses as Moses speaking to God. Do you learn anything from that? I want to really listen to what God says. God said to Moses, God said to Moses, God said to Moses. And I learned that if I wanted to accomplish anything for God, I needed to get into a place where God would speak to me. That's how that verse, so I had a dig to find. As you study the word of God, there are curious things that come to your mind. Don't let that go. Dig in. Here's another verse early on in the Gospel of John. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. That puzzled me. Why would the Jews get upset if Jesus called God Father? I didn't get it because I grew up in a church where we always talked about God being Father. Our Father who art in heaven. I mean, I said it all the time. Why are the Jews so upset? I said, I better look into this. So this is what I did. I took my concordance again and I looked up every verse that used the word Father and I wanted to find out which ones were directed to God. Several things I found out that were very interesting. One, In the Old Testament, the word father directed towards God, if I remember right, was only used about four times. Whoa. So that meant that David, in all of his close psalms, had a heart after God, but he never used the word father for God. Abraham didn't talk to God as being his father. Even Moses, who's so much scripture on, there's just a few places. Then when you go to the New Testament, naturally it all changes. It explodes in the Gospel of John. The word father used in reference to God in the Gospel of John is found 115 times. 
So do you understand that when Jesus started to use the word father, the Jews were upset because nobody did that before. That's why they were so angry about it. And then as you expand on John, you find out one of the reasons Jesus came is so that we too could call God our Father. You know, that study has so impacted my prayer life that every time, almost every time I pray, I start out Father. But because of that study, I realized the great privilege that was won for me because of Jesus Christ and what he did. I don't think you should ever use the word Father without understanding. This was a privilege the Old Testament saints did not have. You see, as you dig, you start to learn things. That's what this means. You dig as for silver. Another real quick verse, and I won't spend more time, but this is an interesting verse, and I will pour out on the house of David, Zechariah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look upon me, whom they have pierced, they shall mourn. If you study the context of that, you'll find out that the word meek can be none other than Jehovah God. And the word pierced, and I was intrigued by the word. I found out that the word's used very seldom. It's only used about either six or eight times. And almost every time it speaks of a literal piercing, a literal killing. Well, you can start to see any Jew that would read that verse would be perplexed and not understand how in the world can you pierce God? Well, we know the answer, but it was rich in the study. You know, even as I was studying the other day, I saw reading in the book of Romans, Priscilla and Aquila, and Paul greeted them in Rome. And I didn't study this out yet, but I realized, wait a minute, they started out in Rome, then they got expelled, then they were in Corinth, then they were in Ephesus. That means they went back to Rome? It's interesting as you go through all of those little, whether it's geography or whatever, digging into the word of God is the key. You're not going to grow unless you dig as for silver or for metals. Enjoy the word of God. Use little tools to help you, whether concordance, whether a dictionary, whether maps, whatever. Dig in to the word of God. It is rewarding. Then you'll find the knowledge of God. Okay, so dig, appreciate the word of God. And just another sidelight on this, I was thinking as I went through, and I remember in the book of Exodus, you think about cell groups and stuff, and I remember reading Exodus chapter 34, and this is the second time Moses was supposed to go up into the mountain, and God calls him, he said, get the stones, come on up. But when you think about it for a while, here's Moses. You know what happened the first time he went up into the mountain. What did the people do the first time he went up into the mountain? I mean, all sorts of stuff took place. Not good. Don't you think there have been people around? Moses, you going back up into the mountain? Uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea. And you know, how, you know how long Moses stayed up the second time? 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, that could be big problems if you're up there that long. But I remember in seminaries, I looked at that passage. God led me to preach a sermon on why the people of God needed Moses up in that mountain. 
all alone with God. Do you know, you would do much for your cell group and others if you would get alone with God. Because your communication with others when you've spent time with God is going to be so much richer. So I pray that your time alone with God is greatly used and greatly changes your life so that you can impact others as well. People used to come around Warren Wearsby and say, Warren, how can we make it so that God will use our lives? Isn't that the great desire? I remember after I was saved, God, I just want you to use my life. And here's his statement. What you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. I never forgot that. You're the one that determines that on how you look and treasure and dig into the word of God. God will use people that dig into his word. So I pray that that would be a challenge to you. That's one principle. Time goes very quickly. Here's another one that is one of the greatest principles in the book of Proverbs, and that is create a home where obeying is the norm and is a pleasant experience. You can just dream for a while. Oh, what would it be like? (laughs) So I'm not saying that this is easy, but I am saying this is what you're after for your sake and for your kids' sake. Because when you read the book of Proverbs, just follow with me a few of these verses to see what will happen if we can make this happen. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. Why? For they will be like a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. That's the teaching of the father and the mother. If it's cherished, how it will guide and protect a person's life. As as you look, look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your hearts keep my commands, for they will bring you many days, a full life, and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Proverbs chapter 4. Listen, my son, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was... When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. 
There is so much that could be said here, but the blessings to the son or daughter that obeys are so rich. And somehow in our homes, we have to create an environment where obedience is the norm and it's a joy to do that. And you say, is that possible? Well, let me ask you, are there times that you really enjoy obeying God? You do, don't you? It's possible in a home, and we want to strive for that, to bring about great blessings to our family. There's so much that goes with that. And um, here, just side things, just look at parts of it, even, and I know, I know, that we are, it's almost like it's a religion if you eat right and exercise and all of those good things. But you know, harmony in the home, I think, does more for the health of your child than a number of the other things that you do. Even Timothy says that. Bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all. And I think even as you, as you look at the book of Proverbs, notice in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20, my son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. And notice, and health to one's whole body. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. It, it just keeps going as far as talks about the benefits. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, it says, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rottenness in the bones. Proverbs 15, verse 30, bright eyes cheer the heart. Good news strengthens the bones. I'm just saying the greatest thing that we could do for our kids is to help them learn obedience and to enjoy doing that. And I do think that takes great wisdom because you can demand obedience, but it does, if it's not something they enjoy or want to do, it doesn't accomplish. We need great wisdom in doing that. I think a lot of it depends on the harmony between the husband and the wife all of that comes into place, but it's so rich, it has so many benefits. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but as, as, as you look at that, it is tied to moral purity. And if you go through these passages, you'll see that as they listen to instructions of the mother and the father, it will guide and direct even in purity and how we need that today. I was just, just as a side, just reading through just secular articles. It says, bitterness is more than just a nasty taste in the mouth. Some psychologists think long-term resentment can become a psychological disorder. And studies suggest bitterness and feelings of anger and depression that accompany it may be linked to health issues like cardiovascular problems with weak and immune systems. Again, talking about harmony. Persistent bitterness may result in global feelings of anger, hostility, that when strong enough could affect a person's physical health. Even the secular world understands this. Harmony in the home and obedience is so important. Strong families, listen to this secular article. 
flawed as they can be, families are vital for ensuring the welfare of children and meeting the deepest needs. <laughs> Notice how it starts. Flawed as they can be. They're not positive on the family. It's almost, but we can't deny it. You know what? Strong families are really important. Well, I know it doesn't go with their, their, their uh, everything about male and female identity, I know, but they can see the power of a strong family. The book of Proverbs is just loaded with that. And I just pray that God, by his grace and his mercy, could help us in developing that type of an atmosphere at home. May God give us all wisdom in that. It's the greatest thing we can do for our kids, that they can learn that. Their attitude of obedience in the home often will be projected towards God as well. Build a life that honors the Lord with your first fruits and love that loves to be genuine. And there's, again, a number of verses that are important. Generosity. And uh, notice the very first one, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's other verses that deal with honoring God and being generous. Sometimes I struggle with this. Are you kidding, Chuck? You struggle with this? Not the tithe, but my generosity at times. The other day, our daughter Ellen was coming in to visit, and she was going to spend time with Liz. Diane and I couldn't go out to supper because our schedules were too full. And Diane said, well, Chuck, why don't you leave $20 for him to go out to eat? And I said, Diane, they're adults. I mean, they work. They have funds. Haven't we, haven't we fed them for enough years? <laughs> so Diane responds, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> how often, how often do they get to go out to eat like this? We have the funds. We can help them out a little bit. Just go get $20, and we won't have to tell the kids we're having foolish talks like this. <laughs> I went to the store and got $20 and put it on the counter so they could go out to eat. Generosity is so important. And God honors. There are so many examples. I think of Barnabas, how he sold his land, gave it, and how God richly blessed Barnabas and used it. I think of 2 Corinthians and how people who had nothing beseech Paul, we want to be involved in this offering. And I think of us and think of me at times God loves the generous giver. And certainly if we can teach our kids to be generous, not like what I just did, it would be very, very beneficial. And uh, so that's a great principle. Maybe one of the more powerful ones, if you go through Proverbs, especially 10 and 11, it talks about our words. I'd like to read just a few of these just to get a sense. Realize words are so important. They flow from the heart, and they will either feed or crush those who hear. And, and I think that becomes, remember Jesus said, out of the heart, words flow. So just look at just a few of these verbs, verses. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11. And I hope they encourage you and help you to understand how powerfully God can use your life. Notice what it says, Proverbs chapter 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. 
Wouldn't you like it said about you, oh, he's a fountain of life, but your lips and the words that you speak can be a fountain of life. Notice verses 20 and 21. The tongue of the righteous is pure silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous feed many. That's always been such a challenge to me. Oh, God, that my lips might feed many. What a great privilege as you go through. Proverbs chapter 11 is, is again, a, a great verse as you go through it. And it says in, boy, it read differently. And I know the ESV reads different on this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. But violence takes lives. But the way it re reads, and you know, the, it talks about the fruit of the righteous, the tree of life. He that wins souls is wise. And the Holman Christian says that it, as he goes through, for the mouth speaks from the overflow, but it says, he that captures souls is wise. Isn't that true? What a great thing that God could do with our words if we would just follow Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6 says, The words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Wouldn't you like your words to rescue people as you visit with them? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13, An evil man is trapped by his rebellious speech, it says. Um, 14, A man with, will be satisfied with good by the words of his mouth and the work of a man's hands will reward him. So as you just go through just a number of these, verse, verse 18, there is one who speaks rationally like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, and on and on it goes, healing, protection, wealth. We want our words. And that really goes back to the digging into the word of God because as that's a part of your heart, it just comes out. We can be a blessing to hundreds of people just by our words. They're powerful. And it says in the New Testament, don't let, well, don't let words come out of your mouth that will destroy, but will build up, will edify that it may minister grace to those who hear. You can be a fountain of grace to those that you speak to. May that be a desire of every one of our desires. But our words are so, so important. Pursue hard work. It will be blessed by God. And I, I would guess everybody in, we'll just read the first one that talks about the ant. Don't you remember those? Go to the ant, you slacker. Is that about enough to read or do you get the idea? God delights in hard work. And I have to say, sometimes the young generation does not capture this. I think of the book of Ruth and, and how hard Ruth worked in the field. I think of the book of Nehemiah, how hard they worked on that. So hard work is blessed by God. So there's times to relax and watch football, enjoy, and there is times where you have to relax but I hope your life is characterized by hard work. Now, you can overdo it. I think with my daughter, sometimes I overdid it because 
they have a hard time relaxing. I was saying to the guys when we were watching basketball in the room over in Chicago, I said I, while they were watching the game, I was packing my suitcase, I was getting things ready. I don't like just sitting watching something a lot of times. So maybe I go a little bit overboard. I'm saying that. And you can go overboard with that. But overall, hard work is something that God talks often about in the book of Proverbs. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So I pray that that would be there. And just lastly, build a humble heart that will receive correction. Pastor Pat's often talked about, here's some verses that talk about the wisdom of receiving correction. And uh, I pray that your heart would be open to that as well. We need to be corrected often, even as Abe just talked about it. Um, that's talked a lot about in Proverbs. Proverbs is just a rich book that should really compel us to live for God, but give us principles. And I pray here, if you don't have a heart that wants to seek the word of God, going back to the very first principle, that to me is the most important one because that's where you discover all the rest of them. And I pray that God would give you an appetite where you want to dig in and learn because you know it says that we have great teachers here, but you know in 1 John it says that we all have an unction of the Spirit of God that no one need teach you, but the Spirit of God, that same unction will teach you. It's not trying to say, no, we don't need teachers. That's not what it's trying to say. They're talked about in the Word of God, but it is saying every single believer has the Spirit of God, and God wants to teach you individually. Don't miss that opportunity. It is one of the greatest privileges in the world to let the Spirit of God open up the Scriptures to you. And He will if you desire that. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for the book of Proverbs and how it can instruct us. And so, Father, I pray that we would take to heart some of these principles about digging in the word, about obeying, about being generous, about our words, about correction. Father, help us to learn from your book and may you change us because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.